Greetings, listeners in interspace. And welcome, after a hiatus, to episode 5 of The Corona Chronicles. I'm Kate Pendry, and this podcast is a meander through the weird weeks of the corona COVID-19 pandemic of 2020. Let us then fast forward a few weeks from last episode. By Midsummer's Eve of 2020, things were under control and out of control. At the beginning of June, Angela Merkel, the de facto president of the European Union, announced that borders would be opening and Europe would be ready for the summer season. Those familiar with the prophetic cult film Jaws, based on the book by Peter Benchley, in turn based on the play Enemy of the People by Henrik Ibsen, were jolted by recognition of the scene playing out. We need a good tourist summer. You cry shark and close the beaches. You'll destroy this town. In the case of the original Ibsen play, Dr. Stockman was accused of shouting, disease and closing the local baths. COVID-19 is invisible, as all diseases are to the naked eye. Only the symptoms are distinguishable to the lay person. So the world had gone mad with an idea. At least the privileged world, where citizens didn't have to see meat storage units turned into temporary morgues to house the recently infected and deceased. Those who had created podcasts to track the social fallout of the pandemic found themselves sliding down glass mountains in attempts to keep up with the three parallel universes that were the government's daily announcements, the media's interpretations of the announcements and, the most off-piste of the universes, the general public's responses to the announcements. In Germany and Austria... All citizens wore face masks on public transport and in supermarkets. A 500 euro fine awaited those who did not. Simple as. In Oslo, however, hand disinfectant bottles were still placed at checkouts, but the citizenry generally completely ignored all government and World Health Organization advice, and had been doing so since... Well, since the summer weather started, Norwegians had a selective idea of what one metre meant. Mathematicians were tearing their hair out, watching how the great unwashed, although possibly hand-disinfected, stood in vague, ragged queues, zombie-scrolling their mobile phones, bumping and shuffling into each other the requisite one-metre safety, shrinking to a sort of gesture of 70 centimetres and then 60 and then 40 centimetres. People simply didn't understand what one metre meant or they didn't care. Neither did they understand that their bodies constituted up to half a metre of space. The meditation studios reopened and had diligently measured exact one metre points in dressing rooms and showers. Unfortunately, yogis have bodies and the actual distances between sweating liberati after meditation was as it had been before corona. It was nutty 
The rules were pointless if they were ignored. In Oslo, they were routinely ignored when they interfered with people's good times. Each day in Norway brought new reports of massive parties being held by feral high school students who had been prevented from celebrating their traditional spring break because of corona and so were turning the whole summer into a revenge fuck party. The cops kept diligently to their Sesame Street policing strategy, which was to send out press releases implying that it was unfortunate that these young Norwegian people had been disturbing the sleep of whole towns and could they perhaps be a bit more considerate? The answer was no. The Norwegian young partygoers wouldn't and clearly couldn't. As a group, they seemed to have no intellectual capacity to understand the concepts of solidarity, civic duty and disease They were being asked to rein in their impulses, but with no consequences if they did not do so. This was the same as asking an alcoholic or a two-year-old to not get drunk or shit its pants. Please, if you could, for the greater good. It was madness, but a comic madness, in the scheme of things. Even though, at its logical conclusion, such behaviours destroy the fabric of a healthy society, if such a thing exists anywhere. The Norwegian young who didn't care about the global pandemic would grow into Norwegian adults who didn't care about global pandemics or other crises unless it directly impacted their well-being. And then, as during Corona they would likely wail that it was all somebody else's fault. The authorities, the Muslims, the artists, etc. And vote a tyrant in to give them back their safe party spaces. This was just conjecture, of course. The sun was shining, the thermometers kicking at 34 degrees, and it was hot in the city. The real catalyst for the change of pandemic social behaviours, of course, had been the mass Black Lives Matter demonstrations throughout North America and Europe two weeks previously. Unless one had been living under a stone or halfway up a mountain without internet in June of 2020, it was impossible to miss the dreadful bubbling and eventual pressure cooker of unrest in the United States, connected, as always, to the bloodstain at the root of the American tree of life, racial inequality, and increasingly, abuse of police power. An African-American man called George Floyd had been killed by a police officer in Minneapolis during an arrest. The eight-minute, 46-second stranglehold, during which Floyd had repeatedly gasped, I can't breathe became a grotesque holy time code for the subsequent demonstrations and the mantras and hashtags. Floyd's death, many called it murder, 
led to mass demonstrations throughout the United States and Europe. Protests against systemic racism, police brutality, etc., etc. On the one hand, the demonstrations expressed a massive scream de cour, as had the LA riots of 1992 after the Rodney King beating. There was absolutely nothing new in this situation, and that was the point. However, Floyd's death came as an inconvenient truth at an inconvenient time. The question for some was, should you demonstrate en masse during a global pandemic? Should you choose to break the rules for a greater good? Some claimed that racism was the great pandemic of the world and poo-pooed COVID-19 as a minor league player. The medical community, including many a liberal doctor, were horrified at the images of thousands gathering in public spaces during one of the worst pandemics of the modern age. The disease was polarising, as everything and anything was polarising in 2020. If you did not attend a Black Lives Matter demonstration, you were a bigot. On the other side, it could be stated that if you did attend a BLM demonstration during the COVID-19 pandemic, you were simply a narcissist activist. And what good would a demonstration do anyway? Surely there were also other meaningful ways of taking action. Gathering in a public place during a pandemic, was this the only action? Many said yes, and repeated the talk whataboutism that, anyway, racism was a worse disease than Covid. Again, the hierarchy of suffering trope bludgeoned and obliterated the inconvenient truth about humanity, that conflicting ideas can and do coexist in the same sphere, and oft-times it is best not to pit them against one another, as if human cooperation was one big illegal dogfight in the back alley of existence. And so the middle ground and the grey zones continued to be obliterated in the summer heat of restless rage. Donald Trump's pathetic, petty divisiveness added horrific fuel to the civil unrest, at the same time as thousands of American citizens died because of Trump's need, his pathological need for revenge at any perceived slight. He had threatened to withhold vital medical equipment from any state or state governor who did not kiss Donald's awful flabby ass sufficiently. Trump's fragile ego was now meeting out revenge on the citizens of the United States in what was technically an act of mass murder. And yet, as always, he remained unstoppable and his toxic positivity we have the greatest mortality rate, had become a cool aid. The world watched as America burned. The world was tired of America.
Unlike Trump, who was America's principal citizen, most people did have empathy. They did care about the weak, the marginalized, the constantly abused. But America's situation, that its voters had given the keys to world power to the most horrific, juvenile, mentally unstable and outright dangerous person in the public realm was, well, that was America's problem. It affected us all, but the world was tired and frightened. It was impossible to simply remain alert and not anxious. As time ticked by that summer, Trump wondered aloud to the world if one couldn't simply inject bleach into the veins to deal with corona. So convinced he was of his own genius, yet utterly lacking one iota of imagination, he did not make the connection to himself and Joseph Mengele, Hitler's mad scientist. Trump also began to imply that he would not accept the results of any election that did not re-elect him. By July, his supporters were making it clear that if Donald Trump was not re-elected, there would be, quote, blood in the streets. He seemed to have finally done it, destroyed democracy. In the wake of the Black Lives Matter demonstrations, statues of historic figures deemed racist were ripped down and cast into the rivers and onto skips. In the joyous uprising, any statue of any white man was fair game, and unfortunately one or two heroes of the civil rights era who had fought tooth and nail to end slavery were also defaced, toppled and chucked in the river. This historical revisionism, no matter its good intentions, caused a tectonic plate shift of horror. Identity was really up in the air. Precepts and concepts were toxic. Suddenly the human race seemed simply, allegorically, literally, symbolically, spiritually and civically to be nothing more than a cauldron of disease and a cannibalizing autoimmune system. The doctors and medical professionals kept begging people to wear masks. Hundreds of years of medical research, the founding principles of medicine, chemistry, good science were unaccountably, unthinkably being questioned and derided during the pandemic. This triggered, of course, the great mask wars of 2020. For some, not wearing a mask became a principle of human rights, they decided. In other seemingly unrelated news, a new study published in the British Journal of Psychology on misperceptions of opposite-sex preferences for thinness and muscularity seemed to prove once and for all that we're all too hard on ourselves, we being heterosexual men and women. Apparently, men don't like thin women, and although men like big tits, 
they don't always like huge tits. Women don't like men with too many muscles either. And most people don't like what they see in a mirror. Subjective perception. But they're okay with seeing a 3D avatar rendering of themselves, i.e. the version other people see. As the clinicians running the study pithily summed up, there is hope for us all. Generally speaking, the medical community in the summer of 2020 feared that travel-happy tourists would bring about a new, serious wave of corona in the autumn. But the travel-happy tourists simply didn't care. It was summer. The sun was shining. Nobody felt unwell. You couldn't see that anything was wrong. The sun was literally and figuratively shining. So fuck it. What could possibly go wrong? Mother government would surely pick up the pieces as she had last time, anyway. Yes, a few businesses went tits up during Corona version 1, but it wasn't like there was widespread bankruptcy. I mean, only 249 people had died, for fuck's sake. This whole thing was more inconvenient than anything else. This, of course, was the Norwegian attitude. The travel-happy Norwegian average man in the street was heard to bark, and the government should just shut up and do its job, i.e. bring in emergency funds if the virus hits again, and until then, keep stum and don't dare tell the noble mob what to do with their spare time and insatiable urges to party and holiday. As a wise man once said, they have grown into the prisoners of their arbitrary lives, locked up in their own sunshine-filled, yet dark and narrow subjectivity. I'm all right, so fuck the rest. In Chile and Brazil, tens of thousands, often poor, were dying from the disease. Massive surges of infection cases in the United States brought rapid reversals of lockdown eases. The Norwegians' main priority was where they were going to go on holiday this summer if the Mediterranean was out of bounds. Literally, this was what dominated the headlines. The noble mob made no connection between themselves and the spread of the virus. Much like a two-year-old who closes their eyes and says, You can't see me. In Norway, a new legislation wanted to allow corrections officers within the prison system to wear protective masks when dealing with aggressive prisoners. Liberal critics of the proposed legislation were vocal in their condemnation. If a corrections officer in a prison wore a protective face mask when dealing with a prisoner, this would be insulting to the prisoner. Only in Norway. Or perhaps not. The concept of insult and personal injury and hurt feelings had become a mainstream trigger. While science was trying to deal with the grey zones of a naturally ever-goalpost-shifting viral pandemic, the online world, which was fast becoming the only world that mattered, 
was entrenching its absolutes of binary good-bad, black-white, left-right insanities. J.K. Rowling went from being the most beloved children's author in the world to an absolute outcast. From the mainstream, no platformed, cancelled, her books removed from libraries, all for a tweet arguing that biologically determined sex was actually a real thing and that perhaps women's rights were being marginalised to make space for trans women's rights. This was a real and important issue that needed to be discussed. The corona pandemic, however, had not pressed pause on all the other ills of the world. And the turf trans war of 2020 kicked off. And the trans activist movement, sitting on its moral authoritarian high ground, allowed no room for conversation. There was a lot of hate in the world, as second-wave feminists running rape crisis centres were told to suck the lady dicks of trans women who still had penises. Back in Norway, at around the end of June... Oslo police asked the citizens of that noble city to have a good look in the mirror and ask themselves whether their behaviour was acceptable after what the cops described as the most hectic party weekend the city had experienced since before the corona crisis. Assistant Health Director Espen Nakstad was quoted as saying, People clearly don't give a toss about the infection regulations. Nevertheless, no punitive regulations were put in place in Norway. People were still expected to behave themselves decently, even though they clearly weren't going to do that without a punitive incentive. In the United States, disaster and catastrophe continued unabated. Other countries were dealing with their own problems and the heavy vibe that kept coming off America like a violent and drunk guest at a wedding that everybody keeps clear of but that no one can confront was just a part of this new normal. Alcohol serving was abruptly halted in many states where the infection rates had spiked. It was really the same the world over. Booze plus disease equals mayhem. The strange idea that corona was not a truth but actually a lie and a con that was being foisted on the public, of course, also had traction in the ever-expanding conspiracist community. Trump's war on truth, as a concept, had become the Kool-Aid. Paranoia and conspiratorial knee-jerk ideology was actually becoming mainstream. Your Google education could always best thousands of years of careful medical scientific research. The world was being ruled by an unruly child. And back in Norway, new numbers from the Ministry of Health showed that most new cases of corona were turning up in 20, 
to 29-year-olds. Exactly the group who didn't give a toss about distancing if it interfered with their partying. This happened in the 1980s when the HIV-AIDS virus stopped being a gay disease and, as naturally as the bloody sun rising in the morning, hit hardest those heteronormative immortals whose sense of entitlement and privilege had them growing up believing that the rules didn't apply to them and that they would never get the disease. This was also Trumpian, the idea that the only people who get infected are those who are weak, weakness being equated with a loser quality in the capitalistic, free-market, chauvinistic culture of rich countries. In July, the corona death toll around the world reached half a million. Ten million were infected. And in an area outside of Beijing, a half a million people were isolated because of a new and serious outbreak. Also, a new influenza virus from pigs turned up in China. Possibility there was of pandemic proportions. But the Chinese government said that they were keeping an eye on it. This potentially horrifying tidbit of information was buried as a small footnote in the news because it ticked onto the wire at the same time as Kanye West declared in the middle of the night on Twitter that his wife was a whore and that he was going to run for president. Not unsurprisingly, a lot of people thought that would be just a great idea, including proto-dictator Elon Musk of Tesla fame. These were unstable, privileged men with a massive outreach and influence who were masturbating their private neurosis fantasies into the sphere and getting away with it. These were strange and horrible times, indeed. Meanwhile, the leader of the Oslo City Council in Norway, Raimund Johansson, was tearing his hair out. The festival-like crowds gathering every time the sun shone and booze was on tap was now reaching, well, epidemic proportions. The new corona infections in the capital were now confined almost exclusively to the 20 to 29-year-old age bracket, and those infections were spiking. Mother Norway... Erna Solberg, the Prime Minister, wheezed that she was keeping an eye on the situation. Some felt that this was lazy and obese parenting, keeping half a lazy eye on your feral teenagers while digging into a family-sized bag of cheese doodles in front of the telly, not able to heave yourself up out of the sofa to stop your offspring from terrorising the neighbourhood. Norway's police strategy continued as it always had to confine itself to a kind of, sort of, asking the general population through Twitter to remember, you know, that there sort of is a pandemic-like 
because it sort of seems like people have sort of <laughs> forgotten and please be considerate and, you know, try and keep to the guidelines, please, if you could, people. Meanwhile, also in Norway, 12 people died in the summer of 2020 through recklessly driving their leisure boats on the fjords. The government mused that it might be time to consider, um, you know, making people pass a test before they were allowed to drive these high-speed crafts on open waters. In the meantime, the usual bizarre, increasingly maddening strategy was employed. The authorities asked people to be careful. Not even the most erudite of Norwegian journalists felt capable of pointing out that if you have to remind people to be considerate, they probably don't know what the word means. It's like reminding stupid people not to be stupid, or asking a white supremacist to show consideration and not be racist. While hundreds of thousands were dying across the world from the plague, Norwegians were upending their luxury weekend boats, screaming mad drunk in the summer sunshine, and fully ignoring every guideline hinted at by the ever more frustrated and yet impotent authorities. Norway fiddled while the globe burned. And in the United States, well, they pretty much bought up the world's supply of remdesivir, the corona medication. And why not? They could. On a lighter and, in a way, beautifully human note, health officials in Canada recommended at the end of July and beginning of August an age-old, occasionally cutting-edge tactic for sex during the coronavirus pandemic. Glory holes. The authorities basically said, We know the citizens of Canada are horny, but your safest sex partner is yourself. If you absolutely have to have sex with someone else, one tip was to try using a glory hole, a hole cut into a wall that's only large enough for a penis to slip through. Use a barrier, like a glory hole the health organisation wrote on its website. This allows for sexual contact, but prevents close, face-to-face -face contact. The Boston Globe correspondent Kate McQuaid wrote in 1998, The hypnagogic state is that heady lull between wakefulness and sleep when thoughts and images flutter, melt, and transform into wild things. It was the strangest of times, and people still tried to lean into the good stuff that remained. You have been listening to the Corona Chronicles. This podcast was produced by Seashell Media, with original music by Ivan Stremstan. Sound engineered by Robin Howard, recorded at NOTAM, the Norwegian Centre for Technology in Art and Music in Oslo. I 
I'm Kate Pendry, wishing you good health. Until next time.